This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson, Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm not gonna f***ing It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 113 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And it was a pretty eventful second preseason game for the Bruins last night against the Rangers at TD Garden. It was a 3-2 overtime victory. Um, A.J. Greer had two goals. He's somebody we'll be talking about a lot today for good reason. Um, Bridget and Scott, how are you guys doing? And was there, you know, I guess we'll just d- jump right into it, right? It's the, it's the obvious soup du jour today. Yes. Yeah, finally, like we, we finally wake up and it, it's funny because we're, first of all, we're finally back at the garden. Um, finally back to hockey It's nice to see everybody that, um, you know, all the other reporters and, and whatnot that we, we haven't seen in a long time. Um, it's nice to see Scott with his hand full of popcorn again. Um, and, and no, it was just nice to be back. It just kind of was like a, a, a nice atmosphere. And I, we actually have something to talk about in, uh, after this preseason game that, you know, some positive things to come out of it. So it's just nice to, to be able to, you know, write again and kind of like I went to bed last night thinking like, oh, you know, I can't wait to say this on the podcast tomorrow. And like I woke up thinking like with all these different thoughts about like, oh, you know, maybe the team actually will shape out a little bit differently than I was expecting it to. Um, even after last preseason game. So there's definitely plenty to talk about. Um, a lot of positives, which is good. Yeah, I was all over that popcorn. Like AJ Greer was on the Rangers defense on the floor check. I mean, <laughs> just just aggressive getting right in there. Oh my God. No, he he did body check a lot of people out of the way to get to the popcorn. So um, yeah, I mean, look, Greer's the the obvious story. Uh, you know, not just the two goals, but what he brought just in terms of energy, uh, game high, seven hits tied for the game high with five shots on goal. Uh, you know, finished his chances was throwing clean hits. Like wasn't running around, taking himself out of position. He was just finishing the hits that was there with, you know, driving through the body. And we saw some of that from him in the first preseason game on Saturday as well. Uh, he dropped the gloves in Saturday's game when he tried he tried again yesterday Scott. yeah they and he almost him. yeah he almost did again on tuesday because he was so under the ranger skin that at the end of the second period i think actually i think it was tenority who it was gave him, yeah who gave him like a jab to the back of the head as he was skating away and greer wanted to go right then he like he wanted hey, to turn around and go but yeah he threw his gloves that. off he threw his gloves off but everybody separated him yeah so and clearly won over the crowd like you could tell you know, to start the night, I thought the crowd was very much a preseason crowd where like it was it was quiet. There's a lot of people just kind of there hanging out. And then Greer was really the one to bring the energy and like you could feel a building with each hit where the crowd was getting into it. And then after the overtime winner, like that sounded like a regular season crowd. Like that sounded like a, you know, a crowd that was really, like really excited to win that game. And Greer kind of 
got caught up in all of it too. Like he drops to the knee, you know, for the celebration. And he was actually, it looked like he was winding up like, like a real, like big fist pump. And then he kind of caught himself and just did like a small one, but well, Scott, I asked him about it too after the game. When we when we got to talk to him in the locker room, I was like, "Did you notice like the crowd was getting behind you and they weren't really acting like it was a, a preseason game?" And he was like, "I sallied like it was the playoffs." <laughs> he did. He he wound up for the full sell. He's like, "I maybe maybe overdid it a little bit, but <laughs> you know, it just kind of had that feel to it for him and for Stanika too. That that line of him, Stanika, and McLaughlin, where it was like." okay, you could tell these guys are not playing like it's preseason. They have a purpose that they're here for. To them, this is like, like if they don't, if this doesn't go well, this is their season. Like this is their, their chance. So uh, he played like that the whole way through the game and the crowd did get behind him. You could, it was clear to see. It was funny how loud it got when he scored the overtime game winner. Like it, like it meant something. It's not, not like it's just like a little preseason, like uh, notch off the list like it was it was great to see that they got behind him and and it makes sense um you know he's kind of got that identity that Bruins fans like and he tried to try he's been trying to make that case to Montgomery and he he kind of made his case a little bit to the media as well after the game last night like I'm a Lucci style player I model my game after him I'm, I'm the kind of guy you know Boston fans uh like to watch play so I, I'm sure you guys saw that too and in terms of like how how does this impact the regular season like the roster for the regular season he has made a very good case for himself to make this team and some some people were tweeting at me does he really have a chance I do honestly think um that spot is up for grabs and Nick Foligno has not done enough so far to to keep it locked down in my opinion so yeah he could and, and Montgomery even said so when he was asked he said if the season starts tomorrow um Greer would be on his team because he's earned the spot. There's still plenty of preseason left. Um, but you know, we can play a little bit of that sound uh now from Montgomery's post-game press conference. I guess that remains to be seen. What else can he give? But what I like is we see a young man that's looking to make the starting lineup, you know, from game one. He's doing everything he can to impress. He's fighting, he's hitting, he's shooting. He's, you know, he gets energy in the building, he gets energy on our bench. So he's doing a lot of good things. I mean, you, you know, you talk, you talk about the impressions you make and the opportunities that are given you aren't always going to be provided again. Um, but you want it to come from within. I mean, you don't want, you can't paint tiger stripes to make a tiger. And right now, A.J. Greer is a tiger and their stripes are already on him. I guess you see him, his tattoos, he's got tattoos of a tiger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know what opportunities were provided him before, but everybody matures and figures it out at different moments. And like, they have that aha moment. They're like, they, get, they stay in the present and they're not going to let anything get in their way mentality. And he clearly seems to have that when, when I've spoken with him. Do you think he's established the point where it's, it's now a job he loses rather than wins? Uh, it's still early in camp. We're, you know, we got another 10 days still till we start, but he's done a great job. If we're starting tomorrow, he's playing. So, so you hear it right there. Like, it's it, Montgomery makes it clear that, you know, yes, the preseason isn't over. There's still 10 days of camp left. There's four preseason games left. But if the regular season started tomorrow, Greer would be in his lineup. Now, also worth noting, 
it's it when it comes to those roster decisions, it's not 100% Jim Montgomery's say. You know, it's not just what he wants, although he obviously has a big say in it. But Don Sweeney and the rest of the front office staff is involved in those decisions as well because there are salary cap considerations and there's waiver considerations and all that factors in. But everyone at least says the end goal is to have, you know, the best players on the team for opening night. So, you know, I I know like all of us feel like there's been times in the past where that where they really haven't done that and they've maybe prioritized, well, you know, so-and-so is on a, on an NHL contract and someone else like Jackson Nico last year can be sent down. So they get sent down. Um, but in this case, Greer would have to go through waivers. Stanika would have to go through waivers. Uh, Oscar Steen, another one who would have to go through waivers that we haven't mentioned yet, but I thought he had a really strong game Tuesday night as well, scored a shorthanded goal, and uh, I thought made some some good plays besides that as well. But those are all guys where, you know, it's not going to be, oh, they get sent down because – they can be because they're one of the ones who has options. Like Mark McLaughlin could be one of those guys who's, you know, maybe he's close enough where he, okay. Yeah. Maybe he might actually be one of the 13 best, but it's close and he can go down and other guys can't like that could come into play there, but Greer and Stanika, they're, they're not in that situation. You risk losing them if they're not on your opening night roster. So I, I want to jump back to Philadelphia real quick because after after the three of us spoke, or while after that game when the three of us spoke on um, last episode, we were all together. I made I, I made a comment about how the execution's not going to be there. It's just not. It's preseason. It's the first game guys have played in months. They're not going to be sharp. But what can be sharp is their compete in their work ethic and watching that game in Philadelphia to Bridget's comment earlier about how AJ Greer didn't play like a guy who was playing in preseason. Yeah. Maybe for a veteran, but preseason is, as you mentioned, this is their opportunity for those players who don't have an NHL job. And that lineup in Philadelphia minus Jake DeBrusque was a lineup full of guys that did not have a solidified spot on this team. That includes Nick Foligno. So that roster had no excuse to look like a team full of veterans coasting through the motions, trying to get their game back in order. That wasn't the case. That was a tryout in Philadelphia. And AJ Greer is the only player in that Philadelphia game up front who was playing like he was fighting for a job. It wasn't just the fight. He had opportunities to score too. He was explosive. He was noticeable. Fast forward to last night against the Rangers. I thought that last night, while still a pretty young lineup, you know, I I thought that as a team, I thought they battled a little bit harder. I thought that they looked like a bunch of guys who were trying to make a case for themselves. Jack Stanika knew he had to be better. Um, But A.J. Greer up front has been noticeable every time he's been on the ice. And sometimes it's a hit. Sometimes it's keeping a play on the boards alive. Sometimes it's scoring a goal. It's getting underneath the skin of the opponents. It's all of the above. Bruins fans aren't enamored by his performance last night because he was running around like a goon. They were enamored with him because he was playing with energy, compete, and hockey smarts. And yes, he was affecting the game. But watch every that- shift, Brian, too. It was like he never took a shift off. I was saying to Scott as we were walking down to the press conference, just like 
he had he positively impacted the the team every single time he was on the ice last night. He he made some good defensive plays. Even the time that he took a penalty, he got out. He um, when he got out of the box, he ran right down and and got into the play and tried to tip a puck in in front and like. He just, he had such a positive impact every single shift that he was noticeable every single shift. And that's what you have to do to win a spot. It is. Well, and, and it was also his speed, right? His, his, his speed, he was, it was very evident when he and Sneak were on the ice. It was a very fast line. The, like the, the Kopanen kid, he, he kind of plays at his own pace. Trent Frederick plays at his own pace. They were playing with speed. And what I was, just real quick, before the overtime goal, okay, because it wasn't just the hits that jumped out to me. It wasn't just the goals. It was the attention to detail and it was the effort. That overtime goal that they scored, he's back checking his ass off on a Rangers two on one. The play doesn't pan out for New York. So what does he do? He makes a subtle pick play on Adam Fox, who he knows is tired and has to get back into the rush, but he uses his size against Adam Fox, keeps him behind the play, and he takes off down the ice, stick on the ice, makes a good, makes a you know a good finishing shot on the sneaker pass but it's the back check and it's the attention to detail that puts him in that position to score the goal so beyond the hits beyond the energy it was the details now can you can you play like that for 82 games no i don't think any i don't think anybody can play like that for 82 games but pretty close i mean if he can bring that for you he's a welcomed addition to this lineup and scott you can take it away but after scott speaks there was there's a few players i want to hit on too that are doing the opposite of, of AJ Greer and they're playing like they have a solidified spot and you know what they shouldn't be. And if they don't pick things up quickly, then he's going to pass them by. And I think he should pass them by. I'll get to those players in a little bit, but Scott, as you were saying. Yeah. Well, it, and you know, you mentioned like, can he do it a full season? N- no, not reasonable, not a reasonable expectation. But I am interested to see, like, how long he can do this for. Like, can he keep it up for the entire preseason, for starters? Because if he does, going back to that Montgomery quote, then he's on the team. If he's if he's there now after two preseason games and he keeps it up, then he's going to be there after six. Um, but, like, it's worth noting that there's, you know, there's a reason that he's 25 years old, a former second-round pick, and hasn't stuck in the NHL yet, hasn't, you know, has only scored two career goals and, 47 NHL games. Uh, there's a reason he's on his fourth organization because he hasn't been able to, like, he has shown f- these flashes, like what we saw last night. He's shown those before. Like, that's why he was drafted in the second round. Uh, he just hasn't shown it consistently enough, is really what's been the biggest issue. So it certainly seems like he's in a, a headspace where he does understand that, you know, this is a great opportunity for him and it might be you know, the last great opportunity he has, if he doesn't take advantage of it, he is sort of at like a make or break point. Um, we, we can actually play this quote from where he says, you know, it feels like everything's coming to a peak. Yeah, I think uh, everything's kind of coming to uh, a peak here and everything, you know, on and off the ice is coming to fruition. Um, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out right away, but uh, it's perseverance and, you know, you got to see that goal and, and you got to breathe it, you got to live it, and you got to do everything you can to be able to, to make it. So for me, like I said, every year is the same intensity, the same focus, um, but, you know, stars line up sometimes, and for me, 
to be given the opportunity here um, to, to, to be put in a situation where I can show my talents on the ice and play a lot of minutes, um, do the best I can. And, and this year, it's yeah, I feel a lot more confident um, coming into camp. I feel a lot more poised. And, um, you know, like I said, they, they gave me an opportunity with that contract. So for me, it's just to, to, to do everything I can with that opportunity. So, you know, so that's AJ Greer talking right there after the game. And he, you know, so he sounds like a guy who, who gets it. Like, he also said, you know, like he brings, he tries to bring this intensity every camp he's been in and he tries to take the same approach. But it does seem like, you know, he has a little extra urgency and, and just seems to get that, you know, this is a great chance. The Bruins gave me a contract and, and, you know, in a one-way contract that isn't going to, you know, result in me just being sent down to the minors. Um, and he's trying to, trying to make the most of it. And I think to your point about like the energy that he brings, I asked Jim Montgomery uh, on today on Wednesday, you know, what he's looking for in a fourth line in general. Like, it, does he want his fourth lines to be a shutdown line? Does he want them to have a good amount of offensive pop? And what he said is he wants them to have energy and he wants them to swing momentum. And he said, now, like, tell me, t- tell me, Scott, is Nosik and Felino is that energy and, and momentum swinging? Like, does Nosik uh, bring the energy to you? It, it wasn't uh, consistently enough last year. But I, that's where, like, I think there's a difference between Montgomery and, and Cassidy because I think one of the reasons that Cassidy was willing to settle for that line or, or just roll with Felino Nosek on the fourth line, and I've mentioned this before, they didn't give up goals. They didn't get scored on. Like, they didn't score themselves, but they also weren't getting scored on. They would just go out on the ice and nothing would happen. And I think Cassidy was okay with that because he feared the alternative of putting kids out there that were going to give up goals. But if those guys weren't shifting momentum, bringing energy, getting the bench jacked up, the crowd jacked up, it's like, well, okay. Like, I guess, okay, they're not getting scored on. I guess that's mission accomplished. But it seems like Montgomery's looking for something else where he immediately, the first thing he went to when I asked him was energy and changing momentum. Like, he clearly puts real value in that. And I think he might, you know, maybe it's reading into it a little too much, but I took it as like, he might be willing to, you know, put someone out there who, okay, maybe isn't as much of a shutdown player, isn't quite as good in his own zone, uh, you know, but if there's someone who's going to, you know, be active offensively, go hard on the four check, throw a, you know, big hit here and there, like Montgomery seems like someone who who puts real value in that. And, and he, he, he rewarded Greer with a promotion to the third line uh, in, in Wednesday's practice. It was Greer skating with Coyle and Smith, and Frederick was where Greer had been in the game. Frederick was with uh, Stanik and McLaughlin. Frederick was non-existent in that game. Coyle, Coyle showed up a little bit in the third period, but like Frederick was like, even Smith too, like those two were kind of the – they weren't, they weren't real. They were pretty much non factors in that game. Bridget, as it pertains to Frederick, I've been, if I haven't been saying it, I've been thinking that for honestly a lot of his tenure in Boston. Aside from, you know, that, that first 10, 15 games uh, during the bubble season when he, he was going after Tom Wilson and, 
and, and Ovechkin, like, you know, kind of being a, a pest, um, still not really effective outside of that, but he, he was making his presence known. I know last year he had a couple of good stretches with Coyle and Smith. And I know, I know everybody was like, well, no, this, this is what this line could be. I think that was overblown. I think history will look back at that era and say it was like a 10 game stretch <laughs> in the middle of a hockey season where like they, they were okay. Like they, I've never, my issue with Trent Frederick is that his decision-making at the NHL level needs to speed up and it needs to speed up quick. He doesn't know what the hell he wants to do with the puck on his stick. And he's a much better skater without the puck on a stick than when the puck is on his stick, which is a problem because at that level, if you want to be a successful player, you have to be as quick at least with the puck on your stick as when it's not on your stick. He slows down way too much. He's way too ineffective. I don't see any chemistry with him and Coyle. I haven't even seen, even dating back to last year. I think Craig Smith is too much of an energizer bunny. And I think that Coyle and Frederick both like to kind of play at their own pace. And that just doesn't go well. Like, um, it's not a great combination. I don't think I, you oh. watched me last night in preseason. And it's like, I know it's preseason. I get it. But how many times when you see Coyle and Frederick close to each other, they have no idea what to do. They don't know if they want, one wants to come behind one wants to go away. It's it's Trent Frederick to me has done absolutely nothing dating back to last year to solidify a spot on this roster every single night. And the fact that he is getting, I guess the initial looks in the third line and was on the third line last year. It's just, to me, it's not having him on your third line based off of what I've seen is not a contender third line. You need to have a third line that can score. And I think he can probably get a couple of garbage goals here and there, but his pace of play isn't where it needs to be to keep up with other elite third lines. I think Coyle's fine. I think Smith is fine, but they can upgrade on that left side. And here's the thing, Brian. Yeah. Trent Frederick could be AJ Greer and AJ Greer could be Trent Frederick by the end of this season. If Trent Frederick isn't careful, like Trent Frederick plays yeah. a similar way that AJ Greer does, but right now Greer is doing it better. Greer could take that. that spot from him and yeah. he wouldn't know what happened because like there's the role is the same role. Greer and Frederick, the role is the, the guy that could spark energy with a little bit of physicality and like is going to play on that left side, maybe on the third line, maybe on the fourth line. Like that could be like, if Frederick is not careful, he could end up like Greer has been the past few seasons, not being able to crack an NHL lineup and Greer could just like sneak right in and take that spot from him because he hasn't solidified it either. Well, that's exactly right. And I think, I think what you said about the role for role, I think is accurate. I think they're fighting for the same role. I'm going to push back a little bit, though. I don't think that they play similar. I think Greer plays. No, I mean, like, in terms of, like, the the ask for, like, energy every yeah. shift. And right. that so is. Why isn't, so why isn't Frederick doing that? Like, it's that's that's what he's supposed to be doing. And I personally just don't see it. I don't see him. I don't see him affecting the four check like Greer did. I saw, and I, I don't, again, I don't want to fall victim to, like, giving AJ Greer, like, the title of the next Milan Lucic. I understand it's just a, you know, two preseason games. I get all that. But what I am telling you is that I saw AJ Greer last night against the Rangers affect a hockey game more than I ever saw Trent Frederick affect any type of hockey game, whether it was preseason, regular season, or postseason. I'm telling you right now that AJ Greer, what you said, Bridget, Trent Frederick better be look out because we are talking about a lot about Nosek and, and Felino and 
I think a lot of why Cassidy played them last year is I think it was tough. It was tougher for him to scratch them after Sweeney just signed them and brought them in. I think this year with Montgomery, after a year of having them, he has a little bit more freedom, I think, to maybe sit those guys or, or whatever. I think it was different for Cassidy last year. But it's not just no stick and Felino that needs to look out. Trent Frederick, the simple question is this, guys. You need 12 forwards, your 12 best forwards on a given night just to, to, to play for this team. What has he showed you to tell you he's he should be in that top 12 consistently? Aside from a f- maybe a few games like a calendar year ago, and and Scott, I know I know we haven't let you talk in like probably four years, so I'm gonna give it to you now. Hey, well, well, what's up? I fell, fell asleep. Hey, Sorry, God. what's going on? <laughs> um, no, I mean I stayed out because you guys were both making great points, and uh, I don't really have a t- whole ton else to add on Frederick because you're both absolutely right. Like he has not done enough to be a lock. Now I, I don't think they're waving him. I think I think as an organization, they still feel like he has more upside than he's shown. I don't know if I agree with that assessment, but that's what I how I think they view him. So I think at worst he would be the 13th forward. And and maybe that's fine. Maybe that like lights a fire under him if he's not in every night. I don't know. But um, you know, I think veterans like no second Felino and Wagner would be more likely cuts because there's also, you know, not only are they maybe not good enough right now, but there's no upside there going forward. And so I think he, like he would stay on over those guys, but to your point, like he's, if someone can grab that third line left wing spot from him and it looks like Greer is doing that, then absolutely. Like he should not, he should not be a lock to start there. And he shouldn't be a lock on the fourth line. He should have to earn that as well. And that's where, like, throw him into a battle with Felino, Beecher, Nosek, McLaughlin, like, all of them. Like, it, it, to me, it's – there are eight forward spots solidified, the top six, Coyle and Smith, and then, like, ten guys battling for the other four lineup spots and the extra – the 13th forward spot. And like I said, I think Frederick is going to be in the top 13, no matter what the Bruins aren't going to wave him and, you know, lose him for nothing, but he anywhere else, like any, any higher than 13 forward should not be a guarantee for him. You guys remember back when like, so Frederick and Stanika at one point in time, I don't, I think this was two seasons ago. Um, they were both kind of, in the same position, right. Trying to crack the lineup consistently. And it didn't, it didn't end up happening for Stanika, but it did end up happening for Frederick. The, like the difference was Frederick was able to kind of make an impression. And also he is better at playing wing uh, and Stanika because that center position didn't open up. And because he, you know, just kind of struggled when they put him on the wing, never ended up stealing that spot. But I do remember a time where those two were, were both like, Oh, you know, one of these guys is going to, crack into the lineup and stay in and it ended up being Frederick. Um, you know, what if it's Stanika's turn? What if it's Greer's turn? Like, what if, you know, that is something that they have to undo, uh, you know, when they made that decision to bring Frederick up, it's, it's interesting to see like how these other people are making their cases so much more strongly, but we're thinking of Frederick. Like a lot of people are thinking of Frederick as like, he already has the job, but like, if you think about it back then, 
if if say Stanika, Frederick, and Greer were all competing for it back when they were trying to crack the lineup, the three of them, like Frederick would not be winning that job right now. No, exactly. And that's kind of like what we've talked about in the past with like when you're trying to make a roster, you can't it's tough because you have you have to honor, you know, certain, you know, guys that are under NHL contract, right? It's 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 one of those things, but by and large, when you get down to the, to the, to the fringe roster players, that's where it's kind of like, you can't allow, you gotta, then, then you gotta find a way to buy somebody out or trade them or move them or whatever. Cause it, you can't just be hinged to a guy because of a move that you make. Like, I mean, like Thomas Nosek is an example. Like I think, I think if we're talking to, cause Scott said it beautifully, like you got four spots in the bottom of your forward groupings and you, you have about seven to 10 guys that are making, you know, have a case. I think it's more so like, you know, six that probably have a case for those four spots. Yeah. Um, I might've, I might've exaggerated slightly, but no, but, but no, but, but what, you're, <laughs> what you're illustrating though, is the amount of numbers that that management's looking at, right? Like yeah. they brought in, they brought in a Vinny Letary. They, you know, they, they have, they have guys that they're looking at. Right. So it's not, it, it's a bigger list for them just because that's their job. But if we're actually talking about who has those, who's fighting for those last four spots, realistically, I would say, it's AJ Greer. It's um, it's Mark McLaughlin. That's two. It's Nosek three. Felino four. Stanika five. Um, you know, uh, Beecher six. Maybe Steen seven. But I would say, whatever. So I, I, th- I would throw. I would still throw Wagner in there as well. Eight. Yeah. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't. I I just don't think he's going quietly. No, no. I don't think if it. I think Wagner is going to be the ultimate pro. I just think that they're the Bruins going to look at at. at those options and say, you know, what's he bringing over somebody else? And then, okay, if they're equal, what's the age and who's more, you know, who has more upside. And um, like, I, I think, I, I don't know. It's tough to, it's tough to really gauge at this point, but what I can tell you guys is this, like um, if, if, if we have AJ Greer on that fourth line, call it like, I think, I think Mark McLaughlin has a real solid case. I, I got to tell you, like, I don't, if you take away the contract status, like I don't see how Thomas Nosek is going to outplay some of these guys in camp unless he really improves. I think that they would, if they, if they're going to move or get rid of Nosek or Felino, I actually kind of feel like they might try to somehow get rid of Nosek before Felino because of Felino's track record and leadership qualities and versatile. Yeah. They're both kind of versatile. Um, I don't want to talk in too many circles because it's just, there's too many unknowns, but there's only so many spots available and some of the guys you would expect to have those spots are the ones that haven't been showing it so far in camp. And so it's getting, it's going to get tricky. Um, to put it to, to put it this way for me, at least um, when we, when we did, I don't know, maybe a week ago when we did the podcast about, you know, who's going to, you know, win the spot, you know, we were ta- a lot of us said, you know, McLaughlin seems like the, the guy that I would guess was going to win the spot. And, and then, you know, put them, put them with no second Felino was kind of like where we were at, but my, my mindset has shifted since yesterday, since, since after yesterday's game, which is that, especially after talking to Montgomery and hearing what he had to say, I get the sense that he wants it to be that younger, that younger group. And he wants them, he wants them to give him no choice, but to say you won the job. He wants Greer, Stanika, McLaughlin, or, or some semblance of that um, to, to give him no other choice. And then he, ha- and then he can go to Felino or Nosek and say, 
listen, you didn't outplay them. Like the, they made me, they made this decision. Like they, they played their way into the spot. And I think Montgomery would be perfectly happy with that. And that's not something that I thought before yesterday's game. I thought we were kind of like maybe status quo, maybe throw McLaughlin in there on the side. Like, but now I really do feel like the, the way that Montgomery is looking at it, he would be happy to coach a team that had a fourth line that was made up of some younger guys, faster, um, know what's at stake, kind of rather than the veterans that are like, you know, we're here because we've always been, you know, in the NHL. And like, yeah. they're just a totally different mentality. Scott and Scott and I talked to, talked to Greer. We talked to Stanika. They put off a completely different vibe when you talk to them and when they play, obviously, than your veteran guys. Like, we talked to Stanika afterwards. Scott and I were mentioning this off the podcast. Like, he kind of seemed a little bit nervous, right? Like, he seemed like he, like he knew even though he just played well and he just knew this was a different like kind of mentality that he has than, than the guys that are, are, you know, used to just playing, like he knows what's at stake. And the funny thing was he seemed like he was trying to make the most of the opportunity, but was scared. He wasn't going to, and Steen on the other hand and, and Greer on the other, they're all completely different personalities when we talked to them, but Greer, uh, Steen was like, Oh, I I'm happy like this. Cause Steen's in the exact same situation as Seneca, if they, if they get cut, they go on waivers and someone could claim them. So like they're, they're both at the point where they don't just automatically go down to Providence. So for Steen and Seneca, it's the same, same thing. Like this is the last chance potentially with Boston before this, like, it's kind of like now or never. And Steen said he was actually likes the fact that it kind of put that extra pressure on him. Sidnika, I'm not sure if he likes the fact that it had that extra pressure is on him and Greer just kind of seems like he was going to play like that either way. But um, it was just, it was just a completely different personality that that fourth line would have if it were those younger guys that we're talking about. Well, and you mentioned, you mentioned like Sidnika seeming almost afraid that like he wasn't going to do enough. Well, I think part of the reason for that is that on Saturday he didn't. And, you know, I think what we're learning is that Montgomery is probably not going to call guys out right after the game like Cassidy did. But a couple of days later, you might get something because he talked to, after Tuesday's game. He's just straight up said, like, it was good to see Stanika bounce back. It was good to see Steen bounce back. And he was clear that, like, you know, they weren't quite good enough Saturday. And then you, we talked to Stanika and he said like, yeah, he did have a conversation with Montgomery and he knew he had to, had to bring more. And he, I almost got the sense that he was kind of like sheepish or, you know, like embarrassed about the fact that like he hadn't been good enough and game one of the preseason he even said like, um, you know, you only get one chance to make a first impression. I had to make sure that like the second impression was much better. And, you know, that's, Again, we're talking about a fairly short preseason, all things considered. So you don't get a ton of opportunities. So for Stanika now, like you look at it and it's like, okay, one and one. You had one kind of disappointing game and one really good game. Well, you probably need two or three more really good ones. Like now you got to stack them together. You can't now go back, you know, I don't know if he's going to play Saturday or not. Saturday's going to be a lot more of the regulars. You're going to see the Bergeron line, the Krejci line, both play. But 
you know, he can't now come back with like another disappointing game and then, okay, but I'll back, I'll bounce back again in preseason game number four. Like if, if the equation is 50, 50, that's probably, you would hope, but you know, that's probably not going to be good enough to make the team. Like you would hope there's enough forwards who are having better, you know, doing more good than bad in the preseason um, that those are the guys who would make it. So like, it can't be, it can't be a 50, 50 balance. Now someone like Stanika and Steen, they've got to stack good days together here. And that's not just the games, but practices as well. I mean, it's, 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 it's head scratching to me how Stanika and Steen didn't play like their hair was on fire down in Philadelphia. Like I know, I know they bounced back Stanika in particular, he, he was a much different player in Boston, but it's like, you know, you know, the situation you're in here in Boston, you know, it's a new coach, you know, it's a fresh start with, with new eyes on you. As I've said, I not that he was going to go out there in Philly and score a hat trick, but you got to have a hair across your ass. And, and he didn't. And I don't know. I don't know how that could possibly be. I really don't. Nonetheless, had a conversation with with Montgomery and apparently that's what woke him up. <laughs> OK, well, I don't what, know. I think I think sometimes think people. I think people sometimes don't handle that pressure the same way as other people do. You know what I mean? Like he seems like he maybe once he settled into a role and felt comfortable, like he had the spot, maybe he would play a different way. We've kind of thought about him that way all along. Like when you keep flip-flopping on, like he's been in this limbo where it's like he might make the team or he's been on the team and he's back in Providence and he's like, just never been able to get comfortable in a role. And I feel like he would be so, like, he would be able to play more like himself if he actually felt comfortable rather than where he feels like right now, like all this pressure on him. And yeah, I, but- I think he looks better with Greer. Like when Greer was playing better, he was playing better. Like they, they, they actually said when we talked to them after the game, they're friends. They, they come to the ring together. Like him and Greer have chemistry like on the ice, but they're also friends off the ice. And I feel like they played off each other and both made each other look better that game. Um, and, and I liked what they had together. Yeah. I, like the thing about being comfortable though, like too bad, you're, you're not going to be comfortable. You're, I know it's just, it's you're, just like you're, my you're empathy, a young, young like kid trying, trying to, to make empathetic. it into the NHL. Like it's not, it's not going to be a comfortable process. So. But just like, just trying to like make it like a, a human thing for a second. Like, I know it's like, that's what you're supposed well, to do, but that's just not that easy. It's like, not always, it's, it's but, not always that easy. But here, here's what I would say to that though, Bridget. Cause like, if you're talking a situation where, you know, it's like a two on one and he starts to overthink, do I want to pass? Or I want to shoot. He gets nervous. You know, that's one thing, but you know, your legs moving, and your energy and, and, and keeping things simple, like creating, creating um, turnovers on the four check, right. Because of effort. And that's like he did against the Rangers, that type of stuff should be, that should be free of nerves. That should oh, get your legs going. I know? absolutely. I'm agreeing with you hundred percent, like about the, uh, like about how he's played and, and, you know, he needs to play more, but I just, I ha- I just kind of get that sense. I just wanted to, just mentioned the human element of it, that it just kind of seemed like to me that maybe it's too nice. I don't know. I don't know. You gotta get get more like me and Scott, get more jaded. I don't know. I just like, I, I was getting that vibe off of him and I was like, Oh, I kind of feel bad. Like I understand, like I, I used to play obviously not at such high stakes and I just know how that feels. So, um, but I do want to say one last thing about Sanika before, if we, if we're changing subjects or, or anything like that, 
I want him to make this team. I actually want him to, to be the fourth line center to start this season. Um, I want to see him there. I think it's the time. I know I didn't say that a few weeks ago, but um, things have changed. Uh, I think it's his time because first of all, because I don't think they're willing to give, give up on him yet. And they've, they, if they don't put him on this team to start the season, they essentially have given up on him. Like, meaning he's out of the organization because he's not going to clear waivers. Someone else is going to pick him up. So he's this guy they've spent all this time developing and they're not just going to let him walk away like that. And not, and like, so that forces their hand a little bit. And that might be a, a Sweeney thing as well. Like, okay, we kind of have to really decide, is this a guy we, we developed all this time for nothing or do we want to give him this chance now? I think it's his time now. I think um, if you put him with some of the younger guys, and just give that line a completely different identity than it had last year, it works. Um, so I'm at the moment wanting to see him make this team as the center on the fourth line to start the season, which would mean I'm, I'm, I'm okay if Nosek is whatever has to happen to Nosek, but I think that the role, if Sonika continues, which by the way, I don't know how many other games they're going to put him in in the preseason because not going to play all of them probably, but. Um, I, I want to see him get that chance to start the season as a fourth line center. I, I agree with you, Bridget. I, I feel the same way. And, and Scott, I, I don't know how you would feel, but if they, as Bridget mentioned, it's either make the team or inevitably get claimed on off waivers. If they're going to put him on waivers and risk him getting claimed, it better be because somebody else with some youth and promise is winning that fourth line spot. It better not be because of the existence on this cap of Thomas Nosek or Nick Felino, just because they're there. Um, to me, that's just stubbornness. And it's, it, it's, it's like giving up on all these years that you like didn't trade him. Like yeah. they had opportunities back when, when, you know, he was like their top prospect to, to trade him and get so like, you're giving up on him now for Nosek, who's, who's by the way, is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Or you have to think about the rebuild too, because eventually Bergeron and Krejci aren't going to be here. You're going to need a center. Um, and you know, you've always thought you could develop this guy from within to be part of your center group. So like, it's kind of time to put your money where your mouth is and, and just give them the chance that you drafted him for. He's not horrible enough where you're like, okay, no, we definitely can't give this guy a chance. Like he's showed enough progress. I think if you give him a little bit more consistency, he can do a better job. And it just seems like the time to make that decision to put him in the lineup. It, 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 there's so many things that are pointing to it. It would be so stupid to choose Nosek over him. Sonika's young. He, you could sign him for, you know, you know, the next few years if, if you lose Krejci or, or, you know. And what are you going to do? Are you going to do that with Nosek? No. Uh, so it, it just makes a lot of sense. It does. Yeah, sorry, I kind of like took over. No, no, no. You're you're right. You're you're right on the money. Yeah, I, I mean, if if Stanika's good the rest of the preseason and Nosek doesn't really do anything to, you know, make his mark, then yeah, it it should be Stanika. You know, I, I what else? Like we're not just us, but I think a lot of people are like just writing off Felino Nosek. It's like, hey, let's see what those guys do the rest of the training camp in the preseason as well. Like. You know, they've they've got some pride, and I'm sure they realize that their jobs are getting pushed. So, you know, good. I would I would expect you know pretty good effort from it. It would really say a lot if like we don't see them do anything the rest of the preseason. Um, 
but yeah, you know, you can you can keep Stanika. By the way, you might keep Stanika and like Felino and Nosek. Eventually, you're gonna run into cap issues, but like those guys might still be on the roster. Like we're talking about, you know, those four spots and 13 forward. Like I could easily see a situation where that's, you know, wherever you're lining them up, Stanika, Guerrier, Frederick, Felino, Nosek. Like that that might be the five. One of them is the 13th forward. Again, I, I think Mark McLaughlin right now should should probably be part of that group but you can send them down to providence without going through waivers so that's as i said that's where that comes in wagner ends up the odd man out you know the veteran who you bury in in providence assuming he clears waivers like i could easily see in fact if i if i had to bet money right now that is how i would lean towards those final five forward roster spots going and and in this scenario steens the odd man out we'll see maybe you know maybe he forces his way into one of those spots as well um you know i think the issue there is like he doesn't have as much versatility now on the plus side he is a right shot none of those other guys i mentioned are right shots or natural right wing or stanik is but he's not a natural wing um but you know steen doesn't have a ton of versatility beyond that. He he has played center before, but not in the NHL. Yeah, I think actually, Scott, I, you make a good point about McLaughlin and being able to, um, you know, go down to Providence as opposed to Steen or, or Staniga who would have to clear waivers. And I don't think either of them would. Um, so, I, again, that, that would be the strategic way to go about it. And um, I also feel like in that same breath, I think that perhaps the same fate for Johnny Beecher, perhaps he might have yeah. to start. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, it's not a big deal. I mean, how many, how many pro games do you have under his belt? Like, it's not a huge deal. Um, but, y- yeah, I think I, think I do want to give Nick Foligno – we touched on it last podcast, but Nick Foligno – I believe he deserves an opportunity for us to let him show us that he still has something in the tank. He's, he's been a good enough player in this league for long enough that he has earned an opportunity to right, right, right the wrongs that have been the last year and a half. And, and I'm not saying a long leash, but he's, he's proven enough in this league in different areas. I, I, I would be, I would be remiss if like he just, walked and then went to like you know the rangers and put up like 13 goals for them like yeah. I think, oh, that kind of sucks well and by the way with felino like you have another built-in timeline here where you're gonna make a move with him like he can make the team out of camp and then you get you know those two months until mcavoy and martian are back assuming they they use long-term ir now maybe they don't want to use it for some reason and they well but they're then they it's settle all their caps wise. all their cap situation now but if they use it, then that buys them two months. And, you know, you can see how Felino does. And if he's not looking much better than last year, then it becomes really easy to say to him, Nick, we love you, but this is the situation. We have these guys coming back. We need to free up cap space and you're, you're the odd guy out. And his yeah. contract is doing him no favors. Cause that is a bad contract. He's getting paid almost 4 million on, towards the yeah. cap. And we're talking about him, you know, being, potentially like replaceable with Greer, who's going to be, you know, a quarter of that. 
or less, like it's, it's going to be, the contract does not help him in this situation. I think, I think, uh, I think these guys were discussing, I think Felino, I think Nosek, I think Stanika, Greer, Frederick. I think those guys in particular are going to have a chance throughout the next few months to, to show everybody who deserves to be there long-term. And uh, I guess that's a good thing because you have competition and um, like you guys mentioned, they're going to have to address the cap situation at, at some point. So it might not be something Scott alluded to training camp is short. They're, they're, they're shorter than they used to be. It's really not that long. And it's, it is tough to see over a couple of sprinkled preseason games with different lineups every night and, and all that stuff and facing different caliber lineups. Cause sometimes the opponents dress more veterans, sometimes less. So sometimes you play more of an AHL team. Um, you, it's tough to judge all right, who's going to be our best fourth line next April when it's, you know, September, a couple of games. So I think they'll have a chance to, to show who deserves to be there. My gut instinct is that this AJ Greer player seems to be at a point in his career where the timing is just right. He's paid a lot of dues. He actually, he's not some fourth line goon. He formerly played for Boston university on the Jack Eichel team. Um, you know, he had, he, he does have skill. He's a good player. Um, he's not just like running around like a Ryan Reeves type thing or whatever he, he, as he has shown, he can make plays. And, um, I think, I think he's going to probably grab the bull by the horns. If, if based off of what I've seen, I think Trent Frederick really needs to step up his game or else he's going to fall by the wayside. So we'll see what happens. The Bruins do need though. I didn't see this coming. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I think, I think what we should do right now is give a tip of the cap to, to Don Sweeney because AJ Greer is somebody he identified and brought in. And um, we haven't really touched on that, but it was a free agent move. Um, and he, he brought in Vinny Letary, who for some reason kind of was, I don't know, maybe a little bit more of a known name, but not really. But AJ Greer was not talked about. I know last episode I was, we were talking about the Flyers game. And I didn't want to mess up his name, so I double-checked it was AJ, and it was – so I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've, I've followed his whole career. But since last night, I did. I have done a ton of research. I mean, sue me. I, you know what I mean? He's been a journeyman. So it's not like I was going to. Well, I looked up. I looked up I, what I, I he meant him. when he I said. I covered him at BU. So like I, I oh, knew yeah. him then. And... I actually broadcast a few of his games when he was at BU because I used to broadcast for UMass Amherst. And, and that Eichel team just like ran wild on uh, on the UMass team when I was there broadcast. So I have had broadcast a few of his games before. But when he said in the post game, like my like life seems to like be coming together on the ice and off the ice, I had to like check what he was talking about. He just got engaged. Um too. So now he's he's got a fiance and he's got a cute little wiener dog. So he's he's, he's got a lot going for him right now. <laughs> well, and and he's finishing up his degree. So he's he finishing only, his degree. Yeah. He only stayed at BU a year and a half. He wasn't, you know, he got to BU as like a very highly touted recruit. Um, couldn't quite put it together at BU. He was on that Eichel team you mentioned. He was on the fourth line on that team. He did score a big goal in the Frozen Four, the national semifinals uh, against North Dakota. Um, I think he mentioned that last night, actually assisted by Eichel. And then unfortunately they, they canceled the national championship game that year for some reason, but you didn't get to play. Oh Providence. yeah. No. Yeah. They canceled uh, it. Totally. You know, Scott. <laughs> we, we, we don't know what would have happened there, but see, that's uh, funny. Cause I work for Providence and they tell that story a lot different. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know what happened with that game, but um, <laughs> they tell it a little different, Scott. <laughs> 
Um, but then Sorry, the Scott's ne- still the- bitter about that. He's got some BU issues. So then the next season at BU, Greer was a sophomore, and it still wasn't clicking for him there. And he left from midway through the season, and he went to the Quebec Major Junior League and put up a bunch of points there and seemed to kind of be getting on track again against, you know, younger competition. And But then he never really broke through in the NHL level, and it seemed like he was always just – a little short. He he was going to be able to always have a nice AHL career, but he could never break through at the NHL level. And last year, he spent basically the, he played a few games up with the Devils, but spent basically the entire season in the NHL. But clearly had some sort of breakthrough because he was a point per game player. Like his production was up, you know, quite a bit from previous AHL seasons he had played. So obviously something clicked offensively and. Now, you know, I think that's what Sweeney and and his staff identified is that, hey, here's a player who, you know, maybe is something of a late bloomer. Yeah, he didn't put it together before, but hey, we're we're looking at his AHL season that he had last year and he looks really good. Let's see if it's let's see if he's finally ready to have it translate to the to the NHL, you know, at least in a bottom six role. Well, the here's the here's the beautiful thing about about professional sports is you oftentimes have player X who might have all the talent in the world, but for whatever reason, they aren't able, it's not able to translate to, to, to the next level. And, and then you have players like AJ Greer, who perhaps there are players that in a blanket may have a little bit more of a skill set than he does. Um, But what he has done, what he's doing right now, and it's taken some trial and error is he is gaining the confidence that he can, that his game can translate at the top level, and he has found what his role is. And it's not about being the best player in a given league. It's about being the best at what your role is as a player. So, like there, I, I think I think that's why he might find a way to be effective in the NHL because he knows what he's good at, and he has confidence that he can that he can succeed at it. And and I just think that. Like, like, again, like, like Milan Lucic, Milan Lucic was, and this is not, again, I, I, I know uh, AJ Greer commented last night that he has modeled his game after Lucic. I would have thought it was Gretzky actually after that game, but uh, <laughs> he, um, I know, I know he's modeled it after, after Lucic. Milan Lucic at one point in time was one of the top forwards in the league at what he did. He was one of the best power forwards, if not the best power forward in the game at a given time, he would be in his prime on probably 29 out of 30 teams top lines because of what he, what he brought to the table. And there were plenty of players on his own Bruins teams and against players he played against in the league that skill for skill could outskill Lucic, but Lucic did his job as effective as anybody in the league at what they did. And I think if AJ Greer, it seems to me through his trial and errors in the AHL and being only 25 years old, which, you know, that's, Younger, it's like Jake DeBrusque's age. We don't look at DeBrusque as an older player, right? So he's only twenty five. Well, that they're point. all part of that twenty fifteen draft. Don Where's Sweeney. Oh, there you go. Don Sweeney's collecting them all yeah. in the entire draft. <laughs> yeah, Barzell's next, and, and Shabbat. So I don't know. I guess that's. I guess that's my long way of saying like he he doesn't have to be the the most skilled player to be a very effective player in the NHL, and he has skill. I'm not discounting his skill. I'm just saying like yeah, you might have some players in the AHL that are putting up sixty points in seventy games, or or. 90 points in 70 games, but their game at the NHL level won't translate because there are versions of them. There are NHL versions of them. 
AJ Greer, there's not a lot of NHL versions of him anymore. It's, it's not, you don't have that, that big, that power forward. And if he can excel at that role too early to be, to tell on that yet, but based off what we've seen, he could be a welcome addition to this team. And so far, I think we're all are in agreement. And so is Jim Montgomery. And I'm sure Don Sweeney is loving it because he brought him in. Right. So he looks smart for it. So I think everybody agrees. If this is the, 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 the rate at which preseason continues, he should have absolutely one of the four remaining spots um, forwards, what, eight through 12 or nine through 12, eight through 12. So um, there's also, uh, there was also a Bruin who made their, a player who made their Bruin debut on defense last night. Did you guys want to touch on that as well, specifically on a PTO? Yes. Yeah. So Lindholm, Lindholm Strawman was a pair that I had my eye on quite a bit because it's the first time we're seeing them in game action. Um, it, it's kind of just interesting there. They were not noticeable, but when it's defenseman, that's a good thing. Like they just played solid and um, you know, they obviously Lindholm made a few good plays um, block shots, uh, picked apart a few passes, but Strawman, he doesn't really have to like, stand out in order for him to like win a job because you, you just want him to play solid defense like he he was quiet in a good way if that makes sense yeah he was extremely just poised calm confident um i think jim montgomery after the game said calm cool and collective he meant uh collected, collected but mm-hmm. um, I, I i was like if I yeah. write that, do I write it the right way or the way that he said it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he, I thought Strawman looked really good. He, he just looked like a steady veteran presence um, late. I think it was late in regulation. It was like the, yeah, it was like the final 10, 15 seconds. Um, the Rangers got some pressure around the Bruins net pass comes flying to the front and, and Strawman just like very calmly just, intercepts the pass and clears it away and Bruins get out of the zone and get to overtime. And but he was just making plays like that consistently. Um, you know, I, I would take any uh, preseason like advanced stats with a little bit of salt, but he had the best Corsi on the Bruins uh, in Tuesday night's game. They, uh, I wrote it down somewhere when he was on the ice, the Bruins out attempted the Rangers 18 to five at five on five and um and he was with Lindholm for the most for most of it um I asked both Strawman and Jim Montgomery today if they're allowing themselves to start thinking about that as like a potential parent that we'll see in the regular season and Strawman kind of laughed a little and was like nope I'm not thinking that far ahead and, and he's he said this on Saturday after his first practice as well that like he's not, he's not thinking that far. Like he's just focusing on today and tomorrow. And, you know, when they get to the end of camp, he'll see if there's a contract there or not. And he seems to have, like, we talked about like kind of the mind, you know, the vibes that uh, Greer, Stanika, Steen give off, like all kind of being different. I, I think Strawman gives off like just the best vibes of all. He's just, he's just very, he's just very chill. Like he literally said on Saturday, he was like, if I make the team great, if I don't, that's life. And he kind of <laughs> well, said, he's like, at a completely different point in his career where yeah. it's like, he's done it and he hopes he can keep doing it. And the other guys are like, I just want this, this chance to break in. So yeah, yeah. he's, he definitely is a complete. So he said, guy. and he, like, he said something like that again on Wednesday when, when asked 
when I asked him, he was like, yeah, you know, basically if I make the team great, like I want to keep playing, but if, if it just happens that this ends up being, you know, my last couple of weeks on NHL ice, then, then so be it. Then it wasn't meant to be. And, you know, I think he's, I think you you see that like in his play where he just is very relaxed and, and he can afford to be because he's been here before. He's been a very good defenseman at this level for a long time. And and he's now, playing with a partner that's like a defensively sound partner that he doesn't have to make up for in any way. So like he's able to play that way. Yeah. When he's playing with Lin, with Lindholm. Yep. And, and by the way, that they had, they had never played together. Like they were on the same team at the at the World Cup of Hockey. Obviously, both being Swedes, but they weren't on the same pairings. Like he's never played with them. He's never. And you know, we touched on this last podcast, but like Lindholm's the only one on the Bruins that he'd ever even like crossed paths with in in any way. Um, you know, he didn't know anyone else, he, but he said he, he likes it so far. He likes the team. He likes the locker room. He, he likes Jim Montgomery's system. He said, you know, he's played in systems like this before where the defensemen activate more and, and he likes that style. So he's just, he's just vibing. He's just chilling. Like he's just, you know, he's kind of just taking whatever comes And And so far what's, what's been coming from him has been uh pretty positive. I think, he looked really good in the preseason game. He's looked good in practices and you know, that they're not, they're not saying like that that's going to be a pairing they use in the regular season. Montgomery said he's probably going to change up the pairings after. So they have an off day Thursday and then they practice Friday ahead of the next preseason game on Saturday. And he said he's probably going to change up the D pairings, uh, and, you know, just to get some different looks with different guys. So my guess is he's probably going to be with someone else uh come friday and saturday but you know he he hasn't looked out of place there like if they went into opening night with lindholm and strawman paired together right now i think you'd you'd have to feel pretty solid about that yeah no i think i agree i think he he's kind of like going with the flow and he might be flowing right into the lineup maybe even on the first pair with lindholm so like he's he set himself up well i'm sorry can you hear that Uh, they're coming for you bridget (laughs) i think I think they found out yet. No, um, sorry guys. <laughs> That's if, her. If, she sold the popcorn last night. If if listeners can't hear that, there's sirens in the background. That's yeah, what we're reacting to. I live in the middle of the woods, so that's not good. <laughs> um, They're right here. <laughs> I yeah. Look, I, I I echo what you guys have said. I I think that Lindholm and Strawman is a look. Part of what they're gonna have to do. We've heard at nauseum the uh the phrase tread water right until key players get back i think the goal for the bruins isn't to tread water it's to it's to you know still have a good record winning record like i think this team is they have enough talent to 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 be an above 500 team i think for a month and a half two months even without their top players and if you look around the division you know i i think I think I'm, I might be guilty in anointing Toronto as, as this uh, divisional favorite because of the, the high end talent they have. If you look at their roster, their forward depth, their, their forward depth isn't that great up in Toronto. Um, Tampa has put a lot of hockey, Florida has, and they've lost some key players. Florida lost two key players in Huberto and, and Wegar and yeah, they get Kachuk back, but that's going to take some time. They lost some other. And they lost Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux was exactly. a big big addition for them last year. He's gone. Yeah, and to be fair, like they were they were a top team in the league before they got Giroux, but nonetheless, you, you lost them and you didn't replace them really. So 
my point is um, there's an opportunity for the Bruins to, 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 to be among the, the, the leading candidates in, 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 the, in their division. And um, I guess to tie it back to, to Lindholm and Strawman, like if I think the Bruins look at that pair and say to them, you know, move the puck, take chances when you, when you can, but we want you guys to just, you know, really just focus on, on not to be funny, but focus on defense, like focus on being a really strong shutdown pair for us. And, and we have other guys like Mike Riley and Zaboral and that can, that can also help in transition. If you guys have to be more defensive focused uh, in, a, in a given matchup or in, or in a given game, I think they like the, the certainty of, Strawman's professionalism and ability to not be overwhelmed by situations and and um just kind of be a steady smart hockey player so I think that's a good thing for the Bruins well and looking at the the pairings that they had in Wednesday's practice like I could see them using these pairings more because with this new system where you know a defenseman is activating like almost every offensive rush and attack and it almost becomes like a four man attack and, you know, one defenseman's going to kind of hang back, like in play center field, the pairings they had Wednesday, it, it was easy to see like, Oh, like there's the one guy who's going to go forward. Not that both guys can't go forward, but there's the one guy who's going to go forward more often. And the one guy's going to, you know, play cover and like Lindholm Strawman, we know Lindholm likes to get forward and get involved. Strawman can be like the security blanket. Riley Carlo. I thought Riley had a great game Tuesday night, other than other than a dumb retali- retaliatory penalty, but otherwise was very active offensively and created some good chances. Put him with Carlo. I know that, you know, I know Montgomery's said he wants, you know, Carlo has a lot more to give offensively. Maybe, maybe he does. I don't know. But at the very least, you can play cover for Mike Riley and, you know, be like the more defensive presence there and then it was forward Zaboral. we saw saturday what Zaboral can do getting involved in the attack forward stays back um so like i could i could very easily see those and being like the opening night pairs obviously there's you know between now and then you have to sign strollman to a contract and then that adds another you know i don't think it would be for any more than like a million dollars i think it's going to be pretty cheap maybe even the veteran minimum just because that I don't really think money is the most important thing for Strawman right now, but you do have to, you do have to sign them and, and fit that in, uh, you know, for a team that's already up against the cap. Yeah. And, and talking about Riley, Riley kind of was exemplifying the system that Montgomery wants to implement. I, I asked him about it in the press conference. Most of the, most of the questions were focused on, you know, Greer's Danica forward group, um, the defense was pretty solid, so there weren't as many questions about that. But it was pretty clear that Riley was doing those things. He was getting shots through. He was uh, he was even crashing the net, uh, you know, bringing the puck to the net himself. Um, and he did play. They only had one power play, but he quarterbacked the power play for half of it. Um, and he did a better job, I thought, than Lindholm did when went out there. It was a small sample size for both of them, but he did okay, um, you know, power, uh quarterback in the power play, but I thought he did everything the right way that, that Montgomery kind of how Montgomery has explained how he wants to see things. And Riley was kind of just like setting the example, like, Hey, this is what it looks like to, to actually follow through and and do that. So I I thought he played the, the perfect way that Montgomery wanted. Now, 
when I asked him, like I would like gave him credit, but like, wouldn't give him a whole lot of credit. It's, it's still just getting used to how Montgomery answers questions. Cause he's, he won't like say anything mean, but I'll, at the same time, he also gives a really short answer sometimes. So I was like hoping he would like talk a little bit about the system, but he was just like, no, yeah, Riley did what he wanted him to do. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, he looked, he looked good. I mean, uh, I, I, I did find it funny. The, uh, some of the rhetoric on online about how, Oh, that didn't take long for Riley to get his first stick and fraction of the year. Uh, <laughs> he definitely does like to be hit. He kind of turns into a, uh, you know, a 10 year old at times if, if he doesn't like something, but uh, from a, oh, yeah. he's, he's the kid. Like if you, if you, you know, steal the, steal the puck from a street hockey he's slashing, he's slashing <laughs> your stick out of your hands. Like, you're just yep. like, come on, dude. Don't be that guy. Everybody knows that kid. Everybody knew who that was. Um, I hope that if this was a regular season game, he, he just doesn't take that swing. I, I like to assume that that was just like, uh, whatever, it's a free shot. It's free season. I'm going to get this in. I don't yeah. know. It's also, it's not the first time he's done it yeah. either. So it's also, True. it's also not smart. Like it, yeah, you could say it's preseason and that's probably why he was mad or that's why he thought he could do it. But it's like, well, you know, you're also trying to show temperament and discipline to a new coach behind the bench. Like, you know, you don't, it's not just an, it's not a captain's practice. You know, it's, it's people are watching you. Um, if there's refs on the ice and they're, and they're keeping score, you know, people are watching you and they're judging you. So you got to be smarter than that, but he did look good. And, and, and he does seem to be, look, his strength is, his strength is skating creativity and, you know, creating offense and getting pucks to the net and all that stuff. When he came over from Ottawa, uh, I think he was like leading the league in uh, defense defenseman for assists at the time or something like that. So um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think it was, it was five on five assists for a defenseman. There you go. Yeah. That makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. So he has an opportunity to, to bring something to the table for this team. I think, especially with, without McAvoy, you, you do need to have offense uh, on the back end. And despite what they say about Carlo having more and Scott kind of his tone of voice kind of said what I'm thinking. It's like, I think there's a ceiling with Carlo. I don't know what they're all talking about. I think he could definitely, sure, maybe he could bring a little bit more, but like, um, yeah. So I think, I think, I think Lindholm, Lindholm can bring the offense, but he's going to be, he's going to be expected to, to be defensively sound too in the absence of McAvoy. So you're going to need Zaborl and, and, and Riley to step up. And I think that they will. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about? Well, we didn't talk about goaltending at all. I mean, obviously we got to see Jeremy swim for the first time. He played, ended up playing the whole game. Um, Montgomery said that was the plan from the get go. Um, so, I mean, he didn't look terrible. He accidentally let that puck like sit underneath him. He thought he had it covered and, and uh, he ended up getting poked in by, I think it was Lafreniere. And you know, that one didn't look that great, but I overall don't think he played bad. The Fox goal, there wasn't much he could do on that. Fox just shot it like top shelf and, there was very little like defensive pressure on Fox at the time that he shot it. So I, I mean, there wasn't much to say about Swayman, but he did get his first um, no. time on ice. Yeah. Th- there were a couple other saves where he kind of like Bob briefly bobbled the puck a little. And, you know, that's probably just getting a feel again for the, for the puck getting, you know, tracking through traffic. Um, I, I believe based on what Montgomery's has said, I believe the plan will be one more game for Swayman, two for Allmark, and probably one more game where neither of them play, and it's the kids, you know, whether it's Kaiser, Bussy, or, you know, Keith Keith Kincaid isn't a kid, but he's going to be one of the AHL goalies this year. So um, there'll be one more game that some combination of those guys play, and but otherwise it's it's going to be Swayman and Allmark getting their work in. 
uh, before before opening night, which you know we don't no decision on number one yet, which I I wouldn't have expected. Um, you know I assume maybe we'll get that towards the end of preseason. Um, the only other thing I was going to mention, and we can probably dive in, into it more after Saturday's game when we might actually see it in action. But we had mentioned the last podcast that Montgomery had hinted at uh, using a five forward power play unit. Well, since then he has actually used a five forward power play unit. Uh, I believe Tuesday was the first time they really practiced special teams in force. And the first power play unit that he had out there was five forwards. It was Krejci at the top. It was uh, Pasternak, Bergeron Hall, and then Debruska is the net front guy. So it looks like that's his uh, that's his first choice for PP one. Hey, I don't mind it. I like. It. I think Krejci's a good quarterback of the power play. I mean, my my only concern about that, and it's it's I I'd run those guys out too. So if I were if I were making the decisions, I'd, I I would do that as well. But my only concern with that is. You know, the second that there's an opportunity for a two-on-one or a break the other way, Krejci's not the fastest guy skating forward, let alone backwards. So they'll, they'll, be, mm-hmm. they'll be vulnerable there. And um, and also, assuming they cycle, he's not always going to be the guy that's at the point. Like, you, you never know. Like, yeah, it could go wrong. It could go wrong. But Krejci is a good, uh, like, visionary in terms of, like, quarterbacking everything. And I mean, nice. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I think in zone, I think in zone, um, they'll be great. Uh, I, think, I think there'll be an adjustment as far as, transitioning from behind their net to to the ozone on a power play without having kind of that defensive minded guy back there to kind of move the puck um but i don't think it'll be i think they'll be just fine uh and yeah we can definitely talk more about that when we see it in person we all set what do you have bridget uh no nothing nothing much just i was just (laughs) you caught me like thinking about the fact that like we still haven't seen like Krejci and Pasternak and Bergeron so finally we're going to be able to see that on Saturday we think um we're going to get most of the the guys that haven't played in in the game Saturday it'll look more like a Bruins team yeah it'll be fun to watch I'm looking forward to it I know Scott is too I know you guys have your uh I know you have your uh your your popcorn wars up there so I'll let you guys you know I haven't thrown any popcorn at him yet yet (laughs) gonna watch out Scott are you all set I'm good. Ready to go. All right. Well, thank you for listening and until next time.